we ready? I'm ready. Are you ready, Cadell? I'm ready. Dude, first of all, your background looks so dope. It does. Like, <laughs> just flexing on everybody back there. It's the wheels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Ryan, we all good? Cool. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Between the Spokes podcast and Anovia Wheels podcast. I'm joined here with Sam, and we also have an extra guest today. Sam, would you like to introduce our extra guest here? Today? Yeah, so uh, Colin, all the way from <laughs> Japan, which is the coolest thing I think I've ever said in the podcast, <laughs> we've got Cadell Johnson over here. So Cadell, uh, we virtually met because a while ago, Josh uh, came up to me. He's like, hey, check out this guy in Japan. He's got this crazy S15. He's really good. And I was like, all right, what sort of hype video is this? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And I look at it and I'm like, I think that guy just clicked fourth. Uh, at Evans, he was like, okay, this guy's for real. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and one thing led to another, and now we got Cadell here on the podcast. So, Cadell, uh, I don't think I can do you justice as far as introduction goes because you're a pretty badass dude. Give us, like, a quick rundown of who you are and uh, what got you here um, to get on the podcast. Uh, my name's Cadell Johnson. I'm from uh, Lauder Hill, Florida. Uh, I came to Japan – uh, because I joined the Navy. Uh, I was active duty Navy diver for seven and a half years, and then a slot for a hot field came up for Japan, and I was like, there's no way I'm passing up that opportunity. So I came to Japan, and I found my love for, like, real drifting, and I was just like, you know what? Forget the diving. Forget the normal working hours. I want to drift for the rest of my life. So I put myself in that position, and I've been grinding and grinding and grinding to pursue the professional route towards drifting. Uh, and then next thing I know, Anovia Wheels hits me up, and or it was Artist of Wheels at the time, sorry. Yep, yep. I got a DM, and I was just like, wait, what? Because, you know, there's those fake um, those fake ambassador pages that are like, oh, oh yeah, yep. fake spam. So I was like, what's going on? And then, like, I got more info, and then, like, they hit me up, like, and we talked face-to-face. -face. I was like, oh, shit, this is real. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> We, we chopped it up and then here we are now. It's something that something I'm very grateful for. I, I can't even express it, man. Thank you guys for having me on board for real. No, thank, thank you yeah. for coming on board. We're, we're all huge fans. Uh, we all, I think Jels and I geek out equally uh, whenever you post something and we see what you're doing because you're living the, the dream that a lot of us you know, want to pursue and that's you know, making drifting your, your main thing, making cars your main thing. And I mean, you're in Japan and you've got an S15. So the list goes on and on and on that just awesome stuff you're doing. But it's all, you know, all because of the hard work. And I kind of want to spend today a lot just talking about kind of you and, you know, what, what got you here and, and what you're doing. So I'd, to start with, uh, I think this is a question I always like to ask anyone that's drifting. Like, what, what got you into drifting? Like, what, what all of a sudden was like, oh, this thing is cool and I want to pursue this? So you guys might have remembered the, uh, the two collisions that happened uh, a few years ago with the USS John S. McCain and the USS Fitzgerald, big collision. Um, and my team got called out. I ended up being a lead diver for both of those jobs. And then I was in a really dark space in my life. And you can say drifting was the only outlet that I had that let me release all that pain and, and, and mental stuff that I was going through. So, uh, literally drifting saved my life. I can, Damn. that's the easiest way I can Damn. put it. So uh, I'm dedicating a hundred percent effort into making it to the, making it to where I want to be. So 
that, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long story short. <laughs> Wait, so when when you um, first got to Japan, did you already have some exposure to drifting from you know being in the states at all, or is it something you really first experienced in Japan? So my friend uh, Richard at uh, Easy Knuckles, I had an S14. I was stationed in San Diego before I came to Japan. And I had this little beat up S14. And my friend Rich took me to the track. And then we, we would do, you know, we'd mess around on the back street, whatever you want to call it. But it wasn't like real drifting. It wasn't like the environment of like how it is here. And like, it's just way different, man. So yeah. Um, I was just doing like J turns at the time, thinking I was like the most badass motherfucker out there. Oh, yeah, you're, you're like out there, like I'm the drift king. Like I'm, yeah. I'm so easy. I'm so good. Yeah, and then um, I guess yeah, that's it, it. Legit, all started when I came here and I went to Ebisu Circuit for my first Matsuri, and at Mats, I don't know, man. It was just the craziest thing ever. It was Daigo Saito smashing into my S15 from behind on my first Matsuri and it's just like <laughs> holy shit like I get Damn. to drive pro drivers and just you guys got to come out here and check it out for yourself I can't explain the feeling of being at a track here it's so much different than being at a track anywhere else in the world man it's it's something special man. I, I think having your first experience with the Matsuri and having Daigo smash in the back of your car is one of the craziest things I've heard <laughs> like that that is like mind-blowing and we will 100% take open that offer to come out there and visit you because that is on the bucket list, I think, yeah. for each of us um, to if, go and do. If you, guys ever, if you guys ever notice my trunk, how it, 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 if you just look at it, it's not symmetrical. It's because of Daigo. <laughs> oh, years. I, just, I just left it. So it's my little trophy from drifting with Daigo. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not a, it's not a bad uh, wound to bear there. It's like, oh, yeah, that was from Daigo. You know, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> so how um, we're all car guys here, and you have something that, we can't get right here just yet, and that's an S15. So why an S15, and how how did you choose that car and acquire it? It's the Mona Lisa, baby. Okay, okay, that's <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. That's well, all we needed. So uh, when I was a kid, I went to summer school in Jamaica. I was spending three, four months in Jamaica for summer school when I was growing up, and then Tokyo Drift came out, and man, I watched that video every day. <laughs> maybe twice a day sometimes and like for four months straight i was like i gotta go to japan and i gotta have a mona lisa and it's like i i, I had an s14 and i sold it recently but i wanted to collect s13 s14 s15 the whole sylvia the s12 and then um i got here and it was like a sweet deal it was uh i bought my my sylvia for a five grand spag r and i couldn't what? pass it up yeah, it came, in LMG, it came with LMGT2s, uh, bride seat, like, it has never been molested. It hasn't even seen over seven pounds of boost. Like, everything was stock, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah. You can't get, like, yeah. a shell over here right now for, like, five grand. No. That was back 15. in 2015 before, like, the whole big crazy yeah. story. Yep, that's fair. So, yeah. let's uh, – Give us a little rundown on the on your car, Cadell. Like what? Uh, what you know? You don't have to give all the secrets away because I know you're competing. <laughs> but uh, like, what's the the setup that you got going on? Um, yeah, what can I say? It's nothing crazy. <laughs> I I pull the engine out. I have the head work done to it. The head is uh, 
a built head. That was my main focus because uh, flow matters. I mean, yep. at least to me. So I, I adapted everything around my driving style, which I'm still learning. Um, it's just a stock bottom end with some nice ACL bearings in there, metal head gasket, some BC cams, titanium retainers, uh, heavier springs so I can rev the shit out of it. People talk all that mess about SRs. I can't rev. I take that shit to 8,300 and I beat the shit out of it. Hell yeah. Nothing. And it's been that way for years. And um, uh, I just upgraded to the actual uh, JK41B transmission. Everybody knows it as a CDO9. But yep. I got the, the JK41B because it's a high revving model. So I rev high. So it suits my driving as well. And then the rest of the car, just the basics. You might see it. Oh, you can't see it. But uh, stance suspension, uh, cut and shut knuckles, extended LCAs, and then a bucket seat, and the rest is right here. Driver, <laughs> it's I, I think your your setup is really cool. You know, you and I have messaged a little bit because when I was getting my S13 set up, you're giving me some tips, and hell yeah, look at that. There it is. That's beautiful. I just took the, this off. The fact that you are SR is so cool too. Because I know, at least over here, so many folks are taking their SRs out and putting LSs in or, you know, going V8s and all that. And I know a little bit has started that in Japan in one way or another, um, but the fact that you're SR and you rev the shit out of it is awesome because it's a super cool car and you drive it equally as hard. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not something crazy. Like, um, I was telling Jels when he first started, like, you, you don't need wise fab or all this, like, yeah. crazy stuff. Like, keep it simple and then just drive the piss out of it. Like, it's kind it's of literally – Literally, I think I have like some of the best senseis ever, and it all boils down to seat time. <clears throat> yep. So Absolutely. seat time and a basic setup will get you far. Because if you don't get the seat time, you don't know exactly what you need, and then you end up buying something way past your progression rate, and then it works against you, and you never get to develop that aggression in your driving. So it all just boils down to seat time, man. So how, how much horsepower do you think your S15 is putting out right now? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, he just <laughs> left. Oh, no. no. <laughs> just so people don't think I'm, like, lying about it. <clears throat> My car, I don't know if they can see the graph. Yeah, a dyno sheet. Let's go. And this is the second build. So the first build, when I had the T51AZ, we made, like, 350 to the wheels. Then I upgraded the turbo, and now we make three, 390 to the wheels. At the engine, we make 450, Damn. but to the wheels, it only makes 390, and that's on low boost. On high boost, it's like stupid crazy, but I can't push over 1.5 bar because uh, I'll crack a ringling. I didn't upgrade to forge uh, rods and pistons when I was in there. Gotcha. Damn, that's a lot of power. <laughs> it is. <laughs> For a small little car. <laughs> yeah, a little four-cylinder, that is always mind-blowing but that's super cool um so Cadell, you, you said you're you're trying to compete can you walk us through a little bit of like what that looks like in japan as far as like where you're trying to compete and what, what that level is because it's a lot different over here in the u.s and i'm not sure a lot of folks that are listening to the podcast kind of know what that it's like over in japan so competing in japan is way different it's the the u.s or wherever you're at shit still shares Competition driving in general still shares the same general hardness, but in Japan, it doesn't even have to be about the driving. Everything is just a lot freaking harder. 
because that's the culture yep. here. But <clears throat> for instance, I compete in D1 and I just started to compete in uh, EDS, Abyssu Drift Series. So this path at EDS will take me to Formula Drift Japan and then D1 will take me to D1 GP or D1 Lights and then D1 GP. And then to compete in Japan, you have to either have a registered car, which you can't register. Like my car, I can't register that shit. It's illegal as hell. Um, <laughs> that's one strike, which is the vast majority of a lot of drivers. And then to register your car every year or every two years, sorry, you're paying like $1,000 for your inspection and yeah. all this craziness. You have to have a loader truck. You have to sign a written statement to the uh, competition, competition staff that you have a loader truck. So you can't even get in unless you have a loader truck, because if you crash, they're not going to let you keep your car there. And then you, you get the point of that. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. There's so many different avenues of it. It's just, it's difficult, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. Um, yeah. So what, uh, <laughs> with kind of the two, you know, different routes, um, what's been your favorite track to drive so far? I, that's hard. I personally adore Toge, whether it's ah. on the or Toge in the mountains, like Toge at Abyssu Circuit or like Toge in the mountains. There's just something that I'm just free on on the Toge. So and I and that's the best I ever drive is on the Toge because I can just pin the throttle and just go. Like it's just different. I drive way different on the Toge. I don't know why. But it sounds so cool. It does. It just sounds like being able to just do something like that. <laughs> no, we've got um, oval tracks and a grid system here. So it's yeah, really kind of neat. To drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, hey, Larry, are you looking for gels here? Yeah. Hey, Cadell, we're, uh, we're actually we're going to introduce Larry real quick on the podcast. <laughs> so we're actually buying a Civic today. So uh, Larry is giving gels a Thank huge you, lot of cash yeah. on camera here. Yeah, my money. I yeah, want no. it now. <laughs> I think I've seen that commercial. Bring the title back. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. So sorry, Kyle. We're we're working on buying some project cars here. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll delete this out of the the podcast so people don't get it too soon. But um, we love Fast and Furious. Our fans love Fast and Furious. So we're actually buying a Civic from like the first Fast and Furious and we're going to do a little bit of a modern interpretation with it. So like still keep the green underglow, yeah. do like a kit, keep it black. So it'll be, it'll be pretty dope. It'll be awesome. It'll be sick. Um, so with, with the courses you, you get to drive and like Toge, you know, off the track, obviously at Ebisu you got Toge. Talk, can you talk to a little bit about like the car culture in Japan for drifting and like, and what that's like? Cause a lot of us have a lens through like Instagram or through YouTube of what it's like, but t like you're in it. T talk to us a little bit about what that car culture is like. So car culture here, it's like, you can find any, everything and anything, man. Uh, from the guys that love all the anime, the Atasha style guys to uh, like the hardcore drivers, like anything and everything is here. Um, you can, you go to the track. I mean, at first, especially as a foreigner, they don't know who you are. So, they're pretty standoffish, but once they see your character and that you speak some Japanese and they're like, Oh, he's not just a asshole guy, Gene. And then they open up to you. 
And then that opens so many more doors. But the culture itself, man, um, it's something I don't even know. It's so hard to, 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 to replicate and explain. That's why I want you guys to just come here so you can just see it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's we need go. to go on, on a field trip real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, man. It's something really, it's something really special. Uh, that's that's what I can say about it. It's something really special. Um, people dedicate their lives to like their craft, just like anywhere else. But like here, I don't know. It's just different. Yeah, it seems like it's not as much of like you know, like I said, a, a hobby to like a lot of people. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh, they kind of do it on the side. It's like no, these are these people's lives. This is what they do. This is what they literally yeah. you know eat, breathe, and you sleep. To, so. You have to incorporate the hardworking side of Japan. And then when they get to drive and work on their cars and do other things, that's their, like, the only time they have to, like, relax and decompress from the society of Japan. Like, right. people think it's like Tokyo Drift, and it's far from it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's way far from it. That's, that's all I'll say about that. But, uh, yeah, man, it's something special for sure. That's really cool. When, when it comes to like, you know, dedicating yourself to, to something like that. Um, obviously, it's a pretty big leap. And I know one thing over here that, you know, people try to do is, um, you know, balance time with it and, and what they can do, like, is, and, you know, around, at least here, like, events aren't happening all the time as far as, like, drift events go. Like, it's it's kind of, like, a little bit sporadic. Um, where we are, like, out in California, it's, it's you know, much more um, available. But, you know, for you, Cadell, is there, are there events that you could participate in, like, every weekend? Or is it, like, a couple times a month? Oh. Or what does that look like for you? So you go on the website for each track, they have a calendar and literally almost every week the track is running an event, like no matter where you're at. Um, Even if it's snowing, like Ebisu, Ebisu's open seven days a week, every week. Like it'll be snowing piles and piles and piles. They're open because the rally guys want to go there and drive. Like that's the, that's their, like this is their real, it's a part of them. Um, I don't even know how to word it. It's the, it's their culture. Like racing yeah. is part of their culture, and like there's a vast, big majority of Japanese people that don't even know what drifting is. But they're how do I explain this? It's I never <laughs> been asked, this, so it's hard to explain. But um, I'll just go back to what I said earlier, man. It's 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 something special. But they do hold events like every week. Say like D one's coming up. In like two weeks, the week before, there'll be an event where almost everybody that's going to compete will go and practice. Um, you just sign up online. You can pay online. You just show up and drive, and that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, so it seems really, really open. Not like a maybe like a once a month during the four months of summer that we get kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, we have a narrow window of driving time. Yeah, when, when snows around here, it, nothing's open unfortunately. Mm. Wisconsin's not conducive to that. But, <laughs> hey. That just gives you more time to work on your car. In the yeah, winter, exactly. It's, it's like it, when it does happen, it's go time because we spent the last like six, seven months cooped up looking at our cars. I'm like, yeah, maybe I should fix that. Finally, we still wait till the last minute, though. Yeah, I'll say that. So when it comes to cars, Cadell, like the at least over here, like S chassis have gotten unbelievably expensive yeah. um, for, for what they are uh, because they they were cheap and people watered them up, threw them into walls, you know, broke them, trashed them, all that stuff. Um, and they, they haven't made any more of them. So it's become more and more expensive over in Japan. Like what, what are you seeing as far as like 
what the common drift cars are. Is it still a ton of S chassis or are newer things starting to come? Because we're, we're starting to see like FRSs and BRZs become more popular, a lot more 350Zs, like that sort of stuff. Like what, what's that looking like when, when you go up to a, you know, a drift event? It's still S chassis central. You go down to Kansai, Osaka. Those are the S chassis boys. You go up to Tokyo. Um, it's the JZX club. Uh, you go to Gunma. It's the eight, six guys. Like they're still keeping it old school, even though the prices are way jacked up, but you do see a hit and miss few, like bringing out a nineties, um, for racing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man. There's not. I haven't seen anything like drastically new. FD RX7s, still the same. Because it's not that hard to find here for like the right price, I guess. So. Yeah, I think like what's really happened over here, and why we've been seeing kind of like a lot of that shift is like you know you talk about the S chassis prices have gone up a ton. You know, to to actually get like a A86 to do what it needs to do, that price has gone up a ton. Where it's like, or I could just go buy like a five year old. Uh, 86 or BRZ or something like that for the same price yeah, and not have any issues and literally just be pretty much ready to go. Um, yeah. It, it, the price has like fluctuation has caused a lot of shift. I feel like. Yep. Yeah, because these are a good platform because even though BRZ and JZX share the same diff and they're strong as shit. So yeah. <laughs> I believe the, it's already started with the FRS and BRZ, but also 350Zs are becoming way more popular now. Sure. Um, Everybody still can't afford a brand new thirty thousand dollar car, so they're in between where S chassis are and then the new car. So I guess that's where the Zs and BRZs and stuff fall right into. I I think the you mentioned the diff that is shared between those cars. I'm pretty sure Toyota put that diff in like every single <laughs> real drive car they made for a while because I have it. I have an IS three hundred. If it's an IS three hundred, I'm pretty sure it goes into a chaser goes into the brz like it it goes in like everything yep. like, it, it's hilarious like cool there's a bajillion of these floating around now which is and good for later down the road what, yeah. what was that it's good for later down the road yeah absolutely yes. yeah Keep i own prices down a little bit at this stage in my life i think i've just become a hoarder and i'm just if i see good deals on stuff i'm just <laughs> buying it um i feel like there might be going on behind you a little bit cadell i can't totally tell um yeah but I got a little SR20 stash because uh, people want ridiculous prices. So I'll buy junk motors and I know what I'm doing and how to get them to work again. So, yeah. I remember there was a SR20 floating around in a bin around here last summer for a while. Kind of hopped between desks a little bit. I think Anna had it and then someone else had it and then Anna had it again and then you had it. Yeah, you still have it? Yeah, it's in my basement okay. right now. Yeah, I have a SR20 and a tote in my basement at the moment. <laughs> Because I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, man, I'll just drive harder if I know I have an extra one. And then I traded some MB battles to my friend Carl for a couple SR transmissions. And I was like, all right, now I don't have to worry about a transmission blowing up because I just pop a new one in there. So it's my garage is getting pretty full. I'll just say that. <laughs> but that's how it goes. Gels, what do you got for Cadell? Oh, man. I think it's just been it's been super cool. Like I said, when uh, when Josh came to us and said like, "Hey, we should check out," you know, this guy over here is doing some really cool stuff, and just obviously being able to to like you know learn your story and be to talk or able to talk to you for like the last uh, year or so has been super cool. And um, I just wanted to say thanks for you know 
doing everything that you do and being such a cool person to be able to work with us. And, you know, it's been cool to see the progression of the stuff that you've done throughout even just like the last yeah. year and stuff and to be able to like hear your story and what got you involved, I think is super neat. Um, and like Sam said, I think, you know, you, you said it, you're like, yeah, I want to do that. That's my dream. And I think that's a lot of people's dreams where you're, you actually went and did it. So that's super cool. Yeah, man, I started out like I literally packed up five bags. Um, and so I got out of the military. I went to Jamaica for a month with my, with my wife. I just took her on a trip so we can just relax. Flew back to the States, packed up five bags, got on the plane, landed in Japan, didn't have an official plan. I was just like, I know what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And went from sleeping on the floor to like this. It's like crazy. But Damn. It's like, did it, man. So, or yeah. I'm doing it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, what, uh, what's it like living in Japan? I guess, like, did, you know, when you first there, was it kind of like culture shock and like hard to communicate? Like, I guess, do you speak pretty fluent Japanese at this point, or is it something you kind of still work through? I don't speak Keigo, but I speak like neighborhood Japanese. Like, okay. Yeah. So, um, so what, what's like the biggest, like, culture shock or like shift for you or things like you you still kind of work through like living in, in japan one thing i'm still working through which will never change is these people pay like four grand to get a driver's license and go to driver's school and they drive so freaking shitty and slow still it's so annoying but <laughs> other than that the other thing is like i don't know they're, they're stuck in their roots and their way and um getting things done takes a long time in america you're used to like a phone call all right i'll be there in 30 minutes here it's yeah. not like that um usually in houses there's like no space um like especially from what I, what i'm doing i'm lucky i got this house i didn't even plan for to have all this space but um that's another thing there's not enough space to like house all of your equipment and stuff which i'm running out of space <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks really normal to me. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it looks fine. But uh, the diet, the food here, obviously, I have a Jamaican background, so I love Caribbean food. It's, you got to go all the way to Tokyo or mad far to experience, like, different culture foods. Um, but I don't know. I guess there wasn't – there was a huge culture shock of peace because yeah. Japan is all about keeping the harmony even if like someone's in the wrong, uh, they like to just keep the peace versus like you step off the plane in America and like everybody's already yelling at each other and mad. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's true. Like, what are you guys so angry about? You have everything. And, yeah. and it's like, uh, definitely the peace thing was a culture shock. Um, there's the car culture too. That was not, that was a culture shock too because it's, it's just so weirdly different and cool at the same time yeah. um everything man uh the language obviously holds people back because then you don't get to communicate and actually understand what's going on around you but once you pick up the language it brings that culture shock value down uh that's why a lot of people have a struggle in japan they stay here for years and years and years because they don't know the language. So I'm not saying I'm an expert or none of that, but I know enough to keep me out of trouble and get stuff done. So yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that's got to be you know hard. Like you know, you got to feel so like just out of the loop of everything if you're not understanding what literally what people are saying or you know what, like you said how to get something or how to do something or where to go. Like yeah, that's got to be super difficult. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. So, um, you know, with when we first started kind of going down the like the competition route and, and competing or whatever, was you know, being a foreigner, where you look at kind of like, oh, like this guy isn't very good, or like you did, you have to like prove yourself, or how, how did that go? So my first event at D one, I did like the shittiest I've ever did in my like whole driving. <laughs> oh no! But I remember on the intercom because we're speaking on the intercom and everybody could hear, it, and they're like, ah, oh, who's this guy? He think he is ha 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 and then <laughs> it literally was like a stepping stone phase of because you know so many foreigners want to come to japan and be that motherfucker that you know and win everything yep. but it's like and then they quit because they see how hard it is and then so i showed up and they thought the same thing but as time went on like now the judges have like a mutual respect for me which i'm super grateful because uh now they say nothing but positive things and like they're excited to see me come and drive now so hell yeah, yeah. i mean yeah that's got to be like a nice change up for them because like you said it's like yep they've seen it time and time again we're like yep they came they tried it they you know didn't want to put in the effort for it they leave and yeah. you know for for someone like yourself to like nope this i'm i'm in it to for the long haul kind of thing you know it's got to be kind of refreshing for them as well of like all right cool yeah we're about it <laughs> like as long as you're gonna stick around for a bit why not yeah when it comes to that judging cadell do you um, in Japan, do you feel like they are looking at and like judging how you're driving way differently than what you see in the states, like with you know that style of drifting at all, or like any similarities differences? The judges are very picky here, um, <laughs> and it all depends on what. Uh, so in D1 Divisional, there's different judges at each location, but for D1 Lights and D1 GP, it's mainly the same judges. And then EDS is mainly the same judges. Um, so they all have like their different styles. It's hard to even compare. Um, it's, it's hard to even compare, but they're very picky. I'll tell okay. you that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's been around there a lot longer than here. So I imagine <laughs> that they, uh, they know what looks good very well compared to what they're, yeah. what they're not looking for. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's to me, it's always fun to watch. I, I love watching like D1 at, I don't know, here it's like midnight or one in the morning. <laughs> and I love watching the live streams because it's just the, the tracks are so different. The cars are so different. Like just the, the way they drive and like snapping angles so fast and then like really like quick transitions. Like to me, that's my, my favorite style of drifting is, is watching that. Um, over here, we, you know, we drive with what we have, which is a lot of ovals and, and, and I get it. But the, the courses you guys have over there and the driving style that encourages and the car setup is just, it's so cool to me because mm -hmm. it's, it, it is different. Um, but it's, it's just exciting because it's fast. Mm. Very and fast. that's, um, uh, that's, that's, that's how these courses are designed. Like for you to run the proper line, uh, you have to be aggressive. It's not like a fast straight and then pull the e-brake. It's like, no, if you don't wait transition, you're not going to have enough speed to clear this corner and you're not going to make the zone and, it just forces you to become a better driver. For sure. Are you competing with people with a lot higher horsepower cars than oh, you? Or are yeah. you kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew the answer to that. And I was just like, because it's gangster uh, with, uh, with what you're doing. 
like, yeah, I have the baby SR, but I studied a lot of guys that use the SR. And um, it, like, especially with how the tracks are designed in Japan, you actually have a chance with the SR. Um, and it's like DET form, not no VET form. But um, like I've driven with 600 power JZs. I've driven with 500 horsepower 1Js or 1.5Js. And like it really comes down to like the basics of your suspension, having a decent setup and then just having balls. And <laughs> I think that's my, because, you know, Japanese people are very, most Japanese people are very quiet and shy and mm -hmm. timid. So it shows in their driving. And then I come around the, the corner and like my nuts are all hanging. Like, I don't care if I put it in that wall. Like, I want to <laughs> so that works in my favor. But uh, yeah, man, it, it, it won't be an issue until I get to uh, D1 lights because the tracks are huge. So mm -hmm. then I'm up on my game to either inline six or a V8 or whatever down the road. So would for an inline six, this is a really important question. Would you go JZ or RB? For the love of God, I would want to do an RB just because that's been my favorite engine. Uh, that's the first engine I ever experienced. My first time in a 240 was my best friend's dad at the time had the fastest street 240 in South Florida. And it had 1,100 horsepower. He made it in the Turbo Max. And we raced a Lambo on the right way home. So we're merging on the highway. And a Lambo literally pulled up. It was like the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks over. The guy looks over. And, like, we got to 200 miles an hour so freaking quick. And that's when I fell in love with RB. But RB prices are, like, crazy right now. Um, and... A reliability standpoint with how I drive, I don't know how long that would last. So yep. recently, I've been leaning more towards the 1J versus the 2J, uh, the GTE, because um, that fits my style perfectly, actually. Yeah. Uh, I can beat the shit out of it, and it sounds good, too. And um, it's still like an underdog, so I have to push it harder than the guys who are, like, blipping the throttle type of, yep. type of thing. So... Uh, yeah, I would love to do a RB25, RB26, but I'm leaning more towards the 1JZ GT now for reliability. When I get to that level of professionalism, and that's when I can do a crazy RB build like Ryan Literal did. So Yeah. Yeah, those those prices are insane. I yeah. I'm I got to redo something with my RB. Something's not happy with it, and <laughs> I don't want to buy any parts for it cuz it's so expensive right now. No. But I, the 1J sounds so good. Like, for the record, like, in the Jay-Z family, the yeah. 1J is an angry 1J. Almost sounds as good as an angry RB. Yeah, but... they are very distinct. Like, you can always tell, like, when it, when they're out there. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My, we get... goal, my goal is to confuse people because they know I'm a Nissan guy. So <laughs> ah. I won't pop the hood for a while, and then they're just going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> also, I forgot to mention, 200 miles an hour in a 240 is 100 miles an hour way faster than anyone should be going in one of those cars. <laughs> Holy crap. That is terrifying. <laughs> that is a scary car to go that fast in. It was built for that, though. He had the huge brakes, so, like, at the touch of the brake, he'd slow down 50 miles an hour just like that. Like, it was a built, well-built car. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he now builds fastest RBs and two J's in Florida still to this day. So he's an RB king in Florida. Damn. For me, performance, <laughs> Yeah, we had Jell's, uh, Jell's rocking the KA in his 240. Yeah. It's yeah. a great, great car to learn in, but it, I love watching him out there. Nice. See the clutch kick is, wah yeah. All like every <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> yeah. We all started there. That was my first engine. I blew up like three or four of them. And then I was like, all right, either I turbo this thing or I'm getting an SR. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I, I told myself too is like, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's when and what yeah. we're going to do when that comes. So. Might have to snag Sam's two four or uh, SR out of his basement when that um, time comes. You got to pry that out of my cold dead hands. All right, fine. I ain't letting that thing go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna find another one. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's been it's been a really fun car though. I, I have been enjoying it a ton, and I, like I said, it, the the guy they had before me set it up pretty decent. It's got a lot of like good basic stuff to it, so it does what I needed to do. The best part of Jell's car, Cadell, was he had what I will refer to as a quick release motor. Um, because the motor mounts uh, weren't really attached to the motor. Yeah, uh, the one nut was like halfway off. One, the other one didn't have a nut on it, so the whole thing could have just like jumped out at any point. Yeah, wow, <laughs> less than ideal. <laughs> well, we've been we've been kind of grilling you for uh, a little bit here. Are there any questions you got you got for us, Cadell? Uh, when did you guys get into drifting? Oh man. Um, I so Tokyo Drift. That was <laughs> like, this is cool. Like cars are sliding. I want to do that. And then just like playing video games, like and stuff from there. But like really, I always thought it was cool, but never thought I could do it. And then I went to a Super D event in Shano, and I always loved like the uh, animal style guys and like followed them. Thought they were super cool. And then seeing that in person, I'm like, damn. I got to go do this. Like, I just can't sit here and watch anymore. My friend Pete that was with me was wanting to sell his IS 300. And I was like, that's a cool car. I could drift that. And pretty much from then on, it was, there was that. And then COVID happened right away. So I was like, this is great. But what actually the good part about that was the first events I went to at the track, like I would screw around on the street and like drift one corner and think like, oh, I can I can drift like this is it, you know, not linking anything. Um, but at the track during those events, it was uh, like drift day quarantine. So there's a limited driver cap. So I got so much seat time and that it was a stock IS 200. All it had was a, uh, a diff out of an FRS and coilovers, like stock angle, stock power, like everything. And I just drove the absolute shit out of that car for that year. And that's kind of what got me started. And Oh, Hey Dakota. No, we're yeah. we're doing a podcast. We're working here. <laughs> Sorry, no, we're we're good. But yeah, so that's why Dakota's our worst employee at Feminism. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but that that's kind of how how I got started. It was just it looked so cool. And I just wanted to like to go do it, and it was the the best thing I ever did for me. The worst thing I ever did financially. Yeah, um, yeah. For, for that. <laughs> but Gels, what would get you? Yeah, it was kind of the same thing. It was uh, I come from a very small town, northern Wisconsin. It was like everyone else was into trucks, and I was like, I got my Mitsubishi Eclipse. Like this is cool. Um, no one wanted to help me work on anything, and they're like, No, we don't mess <laughs> around with those. Like we we want to do we don't do stuff for cars, yeah, like K fifteen hundreds, you know. <laughs> 
Um, so it was always like something that like, you know, I, I saw like in the movies of video games. I really enjoyed it. It was like, man, you must have to go to like a big city to do stuff like that. Like it happens overseas. It happens in California. And then uh, it was always, it was like one of those things like, you know, someday I want to do that. I yeah. really do. And never found the right time. But it was literally like uh, last summer um, when we really started to do stuff like going to the tracks and stuff with uh, Artisa and Anovia. And I was like, man this stuff is actually like really local and it's like really big and really local. And it was, you know, there's like, there's no reason I can't do it. So that was literally like the, the push that I needed to like, all right, you've been talking about doing this for a long time. Let's do it. So it was literally last, last winter. Mm -hmm. I started the the hunt for a car and ended up finding the 240, went down to Kansas and got it. And yeah, here we are now. And and we're super lucky because our local track is US Air in Shawano. And it's like, an unbelievably fun track to drive because yeah. it's super technical um, elevation changes. And the fact that we get final bout here as well is like the coolest thing. Cause that is like one of the <laughs> coolest events ever. Elevation changes are like my favorite part of tracks too. Yeah. You have a little spice to it. Yeah. We, we want to get out to Japan for sure. But if you ever make your way to Wisconsin, you can absolutely rip my 240 and go check out us air. Cause that would be, I think you'd really love it. Hopefully, when I come back to the States, it's to drive in Formula D USA. Damn. And then I can just take you guys for a ride. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm down. Yep. We're sold. No, it's, <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been super fun. And it, like Jell said, it's, it's really cool to, to, to watch you and see everything you're doing because we're, we're like living vicariously through, uh, <laughs> through you with some of the stuff you're doing out there. And it's, it's so fun to watch. You have some huge fans back here in Wisconsin. Dude, like... Um... It's like I'm very like secluded in, in what I do, and like I'm not in this for fame or money. I'm doing this because it's something real to me right. that mm -hmm. opens up, just opens me up and lets me be me behind the wheel. And um, it's crazy, man, because I met some people at um, the last round of EDS that it was just like, wait, you're this person. Like you watch my stuff and you're inspired, and it's just like. I, it's people that I would never even expect to, that actually watch my stuff. Yeah. And um, he was telling me, he was like, yeah, man, a lot of people don't even express their, their failures or, and stuff like that. Like when things are going bad and like they're failing and he's like, but you're, you express that so people can actually relate. Cause it's not something perfect. They see the struggle, yeah, yeah. all the levels to it. Cause I'm not hiding anything, but. Yeah, it's um, real. People can actually relate to it, like you said, and yeah. connect with that. So it's like it's, now, now I realize. Um, I think it wasn't until after I watched the uh, Forrest Wayne interview uh, with Aaron on Lone Star, mm -hmm. I, and Forrest Wayne was like, he wished he got to compete out here, like back in the day, but he expressed why he couldn't, and it's just like, man, my favorite drivers wish they were doing exactly what I'm doing right now. So. <laughs> I realize what I'm doing is big, but I don't know how big, but I definitely understand it's bigger than me. And I guess I do have a lot of supporters, but at the same time, I still don't know like how many, but every time, how, how would I word it? Like you say, there's a lot of people in Wisconsin. And then I find out the other day, there's a lot of people somewhere else. And it's just like, why don't these people just message me? Like I'm open to <laughs> all this stuff. Like people think I like have a cold face. I guess sometimes and like standoffish, but deep inside, I'm, I'm 
I'm really happy. I'm, I like talking to people. So, yeah. like, if you're out there and you, you know, mess with me, you know, hit me up, say hello or something. I really enjoy <laughs> it. Absolutely. I, well, I, uh, I appreciate it. Like, I think I posted on my story or whatever when I got my, uh, the B knuckles and you're like, yo, here's what you need to like get it, get it set up. And I was like, oh man, this guy's so cool. Like this is, I really appreciate that. But, and you're so genuine on that. And that's what, and you know, sharing the failures and like, it's not all good things that happen. And in drifting, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens because you, you crash or like parts yeah. break and that stuff. And, and sharing those struggles, I like, think that, that helps make you, you know, really real and relatable, like like Jell said, because it's it's something that everyone goes through, and social media too often is just all the good stuff. Yeah, and that's not it. that's not what life is about, because the good things are good because of the struggles you go through to get there. Like when yeah. I don't know about you, Cadell, but when I'm working on my car for like all week to get to an event, then I just absolutely rip it, and you're riding the rev limiter. You're like, yeah, this is sick. Like this is what yeah. all that work falls away because it's like all those like you know late nights. It's like yeah. it doesn't even matter it anymore because it it. you're out the track. A lot of sleepless nights, man. Right <laughs> before this, right before this, I was rinsing on the car, preparing it for the next event. Like it, it's nonstop, like literally nonstop. So yeah, I love it, though. Keeps me going. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. This weekend's the next event, and I can't wait. Yeah, me and Dakota are gonna come watch you. <clears throat> hopefully, yep. uh, no unforeseen incidents this time. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I had a, last time Jels and Dakota came out. I smoked a fence really hard. So we still drove. It just caved in like the doors and like destroyed half the car, but <laughs> it still drove. So we still got out there and, and, and ripped. It was I, awesome. We ripped your fender off. We ripped some other pieces off and then uh, you had a blast the rest of the day. So that yeah. was really fun. That's the best part is whenever, <laughs> at least for me, whenever I crash or go off and like wreck a body panel or whatever, I just drive angry and that's the best driving. It's like, I should just be that angry all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't even think it's angry. I think it's the level of fucks have gone out the window. Yes, like, yeah, that's it. No fuck. The car's already screwed up. Yep. What's it matter? It's already happened, so like, how much worse can it get? Who cares? And then you just, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Well, I appreciate having you on, Cadell. I think we yeah. want to definitely do this again, um, especially you know, as the season progresses. Um, want to hear how that you know how that's going, everything you're going through, and we also got some new wheels on the way. So once we get those seventeens, well, we're gonna ship those out to you. <laughs> yeah, assemble. They're coming. <laughs> they are officially. They've been on the water, I believe. So yeah. we're we're counting down the the day, the, like a couple weeks out. So yeah, I'm just waiting for that. Masters of like, they're in the United States. They're on a truck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then we'll get some out to you. Cool. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah, again thank for so taking much. the time. I know it's a uh, not the morning for you right now. Uh, what time <laughs> is it, by the way? I think it's like 11 p.m. Almost 12. Damn. Oh my god. Well, we really appreciate yeah. you um, jumping on and taking the time. So thanks again, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you so much and keep crushing, man. We're looking forward to seeing what you got in the near future. So. Oh yeah, man. Cool. We'll do. I appreciate you guys so much for having me on here. Like I said again, this is a dream for most drivers, and it's like I I have it, so I can't take it for granted. And I'm super fucking grateful. And I'm gonna take this shit to the top. So let's, let's go. go. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Cadell. Thanks. Right. See you later, later guys. See ya.